On today's episode of Shooting the Breeze, it is Severe Weather Preparedness Week across the state of Illinois. We sit down and have a conversation with the Warning Coordination Meteorologist Ed Shimon from the National Weather Service Office in Lincoln on ways to prepare and things to consider as we head into severe weather season this year. So let's sit back, relax, and let's shoot the breeze with your local weather authority. Hello, I'm your local weather authority, Chief Meteorologist Chris Yates, joined by meteorologist Molly Naisland. Hello! And meteorologist Adam Sherwinski. It's March. I'm excited. It is March. I'm going to say, this man's ready for March Madness over here. March Madness, uh, first meteor- it's meteorological spring now. It is? Uh, yeah. It is? It, March came in like a lamb today. Nah, I'm not complaining, man. And I'm trying to think of other March things. I had some um, March. St. Patrick's Day is coming Saint up. St. Patrick's Day. Coming up. Daylight saving stars. Calendar spring starts. I was looking the other day uh, before I did the forecast, and I was looking like how much more incremental daylight we're getting. We get to the point in a couple weeks. This is past seven o'clock. We'll have sunset. Ooh, I'm so excited. Ooh. I did have some great sunsets yesterday across the area. Oh yeah, I, and I'm great. Rec- this we are, that was on February 28th. This weekend was had it was really great. great it was beautiful, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, liking it, liking it. Let's uh, pump the brakes though, because we are uh, we're still not out of snow season yet. I that's know. true, but that's okay because now's a good time to prepare for severe weather, as we'll talk about in just a moment. But before we get into the nitty gritty with Ed Shivin, let's talk about on this date in history. History. All right, so as I always say, we do have this day in weather history from this day in weather history, a Facebook page you can follow. It's a great resource for uh, collective information about history in weather, whether it's here in the United States or across the globe. March 1st, 1910, the deadliest avalanche of record on record in the United States thundered down the mountains near Wellington Station, almost said Wisconsin, Washington, sweeping Three huge locomotive car or train engines and some passenger cars snowbound on the grade leading to Stevens Pass over the side and into a canyon and burying them under tons of snow. The avalanche claimed the lives of more than 100 people. The station house at Wellington was also swept away. So we don't usually talk about avalanches because it's not really weather related, but still pretty interesting to see. It's weather. It's just not an Illinois thing. Yeah, that too. But yeah, this is that time of year mm-hmm. uh, where the snow start, snowpack starts to loosen up in the mountains. Don't, Scary stuff, man. Don't yell in the mountains. See, you would have more experience in the mountains. I, oh, I do. I, I've I do. never really been around uh, The only thing I enjoy watching is if they've closed off sections of mountains and they start mortaring. Oh, really? <laughs> Blowing them up to, to trigger them just so they, can, so they don't fall. Yeah. Uh, all right, next thing. March 1st through the 2nd. 2007, a devastating tornado outbreak impacting nearly a dozen states in total. 42 twisters were confirmed, two of which were violent. The most notable tornado of the event was an EF-4 wedge that impacted Enterprise, Alabama. Tragically, nine people were killed, eight of whom were students were killed at Enterprise High School. Several other notable tornadoes impacted Georgia and Alabama, including a mid-range EF-4 that slammed areas around Miller's Ferry, Alabama. 
resulting in dozens of homes being destroyed and one fatality. Americas, Georgia, took a direct hit from an EF3 that caused $100 million in damage and two fatalities. We're getting to the point of year where now we're switching from snow uh, events to severe weather events. February 28th through March 1st, 2017, this one has some local ties. A massive outbreak struck portions of the Ohio Valley. Around 70 tornadoes were confirmed over the course of 24 hours in 11 different states, including Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Missouri, Places like that saw some of the biggest impacts from the system. The strongest tornado of the event was an EF4 that leveled homes near Perryville, Missouri. Other intense tornadoes struck in Illinois near the towns of Crossville, Washburn, there's the local tie, and Naplate? Naplate. Okay, you knew about it. I wasn't sure. Oh, I covered that one. Sadly, four people were killed and several dozen more were injured. Is Naplate in our area? Uh, yeah, it's out there. Um, it's on the far northern fringes, but we were on air for it. So near I-80? Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's in LaSalle County, and uh, that that event was a was a challenge um, because um, Nayplate is uh, just south and uh, east of LaSalle, Peru. Mm-hmm. All right. And the tornado basically took down Nayplate and went up through Ottawa. It would have been really nice if the Chicago radar was working. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was out of commission uh, because something broke, and I mean, there's nothing they could do about it. The Weather Service did a phenomenal job at warning these storms using other radar sites, um, but uh, I'll tell you what, that was a challenge. That was a from a that was because you know you're seeing rotation at that you know 45, 500, 5,000 feet up into a storm. And you knew whatever was on the ground was probably big, but it would have been really helpful to have um, a radar site closer. But you know, but yeah, that was it was. Yeah, we covered that. Uh, that was the the Washburn storm as well. I have um, a friend who retreated. big old dusty bowl there that. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's got a picture of it, and he retweeted it on um, Twitter yesterday, and I, I was like, I that's vaguely familiar, Washburn. Yep. And I had to think about it for a second. I'm like, oh yeah, that's an interviewing area. I keep forgetting sometimes. And I remember being frustrated because that was the first year we had the mobile storm tracker. And we had just gotten it like a month or two before. Oh, man. And I wasn't used to using it. And I regretted not sending out our weekend met at the time to go chase it because I had just not – we haven't yet – this was early in the season. Uh, you know, it was, it was February 28th. Right. February 28th, 2017. All right. Uh, yeah, I was like, you know what? It didn't – I we were still processing winter. And we were getting ready. I was going through, and I'm setting up. You know, we're getting ready to get into our severe weather prep and, and stuff. And this event happened kind of before we got all that together. And I regretted not setting out our weekend met at the time. I said, I could have put you in a lawn chair because that was northern uh, Taswell, or excuse me, northern Woodford, Marshall County area was my target zone for for stuff and I regret it. I'm like, you know what? I could have put you out in a lawn chair and watched and you could have had that thing coming right towards you. And I was so mad at myself that I hindsight's we, 2020. Oh man, I was like, all right, never again. I'm setting work I said anytime we got a chance, I'm gonna send you out there as long as it's not gonna hurt you. And these were they were they were not necessarily fast moving storms. They were chugging along 15, 20 miles per hour so they were easy to keep up with. Visibility was good. Yeah. Cameron's I, got some really good pictures. I just him. want to point out that Chris has stuck to his word of yes. setting right. the tracker out if there is a Darn chance. Skippy. <laughs> <laughs> if there's enough, if there's enough daylight, I'm yes, usually, I ain't I'm gonna, usually out there. Hey, you want to go chase at midnight? No, no, no. 
no, we don't do that. The uh, answer should be no. Yeah, yeah. I, I got one more. That's all right, all right. Yeah, all right, I got sidetracked because that was a good one. Yeah, right, try again. That's why I they're all good. Yeah. Adam, I'm just saying that was yeah. That was it, local. It's a local one. I get I it. Like it. In West Virginia, following three days of rain, atop six inches of snow caused a coal slag dam on the Middle Fork of Buffalo Creek to burst on February 26, 1972. The 50-foot wall of water down a narrow valley killed 125 people and caused 51 million in damage. And this is in 1972, so that's a lot of money. Three days of rain atop a six-inch snow covered caused the dam mm. to break. So rain on top of snow doesn't add up very well. No, that's not good. So yikes. especially in that area, it's a lot of everything's going to feed into a valley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings me to a question that uh, somebody asked because we've had some flood warnings along the Illinois River. They're starting to be canceled as the waters levels begin to recede. Uh, somebody asked, like, "Hey, are we looking at some record flooding this year? Because we're already seeing flooding." I'm like, you know what? Probably not, unless we get deluge of spring rains that we just can't keep up with. But as long, you know, where we seem to see the record flooding is if we end up with a big snow in northern Illinois. It may not even hit us, but let's say a foot plus falls up near Rockford, Chicago, and all that water has to start draining. Meanwhile, while they're getting heavy snow, we're getting heavy rain. And then we keep getting heavy rain. Throughout the you know throughout the next couple of weeks, I said that's when you're going to see the record mm-hmm. flooding because now you're bringing in that snow melt on top of the one to two inches of rain. Uh, so that's what you look for. If we can just keep it where the river gets a little high, minor flooding here and there, that's ideal. And the lack of snowpack across the northern part of the state, I think, is good news. Mm-hmm. So, all right, it is March first, at least as of recording. I don't know when you're listening to this. Uh, maybe it's March first, twenty twenty three. In that case, we hope 2022 treated you well. Uh, but uh, even then, if it is March 1st, 2023, you need to prepare for severe weather season for 2023. Uh, but like the rest of us listening to... <laughs> uh, I was going to say tangent much? Yeah, don't ask me. <laughs> it's Friday. It's, yeah, it is Friday. Okay. No. no, it's Tuesday. We're usually recording this on Friday. Man, I'm throwing my own self off. It's not going It's your well. Friday. It's my Friday. That's why I'm thinking it's Friday. The way to rub it in, Sherwinsky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but uh, it is March 1st, and it is severe weather preparedness week. Uh, and so uh, we sat down had a great conversation with Ed Shimon, uh, the new warning coordination meteorologist uh, out at the National Weather Service office in Lincoln, talking about storm prep. Uh, now is the time to prepare. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't wait until the day of severe weather to prepare. Now's the time to sit down with your family, have a plan, know where your safe shelters are at home, know where your safe shelters are at school. And I'm sure schools, and I hope schools, are doing this. Uh, tell, you know, you, they, I know they do tornado drills. I went to one today. Okay. You know, know where those safest places to be inside your school are. Um, and uh, that does, you know, Typically, it's going to be in a school. It's going to be a bathroom or a hallway. Those are going to typically be your safest outlook, uh, options. You do not want to be in vast open rooms like cafeterias or gyms because uh, those are going to be the first to collapse uh, if a tornado comes through or even very strong winds. Um, so those are not the safest places to be, and you want to be as far away from any windows as possible. Um, and that, that's to be said at work, too. You know, a lot of workplaces. Make sure you know where your work storm shelter is. Uh, we have a shelter here at the station that we we got the rear bathrooms that are certified uh, to be storm shelters. So those are 
uh, that's where we go if we need to seek shelter. Uh, but uh, just something to consider. Now's the time to prepare. Uh, we didn't really get into this with Ed, but uh, I always think it's a good idea if you're going to be on a road trip to understand every county you're going through. Know which counties you're going through. You know, get an old-fashioned map and just write out the counties along your route and understand what the weather forecast is. And if you plan on taking a trip this spring or this summer and you've got the radio on, also no severe weather alert goes off, uh, maybe your cell phone is just out of range from a tower that's being sent these emergency alerts and you have no service. Well, the radio comes on telling you, hey, the tornado warning issue for this county. Make sure you know what that county is. And uh, make sure you know where you are relative to, you know, how far do you have to go to get out of that county and whatnot. Uh, so just be aware. Be aware of the, you know, constantly be aware of the situation and the weather around you no matter where you're at. Uh, so some uh, it's going to be a great conversation. It was a good conversation. Uh, so we're going to play it back uh, for here. Before we play it, do you guys have anything to add? I think you said it best. Yep. I don't know if I said it best. I just said it. I was going to say, you might have some competition with Ed. Well, there's no standing up next to Ed. He, we are below. <laughs> Ed's Ouch. great. Yikes. Ed is great. Ed's fantastic. All right. So without further ado, uh, here's Ed Shimon. All right. We are joined by Warning Coordination Meteorologist Ed Shimon from the National Weather Service in Lincoln to talk about severe weather preparedness week. Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on with you guys. No, it's a pleasure to have you. Well, Severe Weather Awareness Week, uh, today is March 1st. We actually had our statewide tornado drill uh, today. We saw, uh, we heard all the sirens going off. Hopefully you heard the sirens going off. If they didn't go off, let somebody know. Uh, we had the the, the social media pushes, the, all that stuff worked out great. Uh, but, Ed, as we start to transition now from what was a, a very snowy winter, at least the end of it was, uh, what do you want people to prep for? What do they need to do now? Uh, as we head into severe weather season and now's a good time to prep. So what do we need to do? We just got to, you know, be, become more weather aware for a different reason, you know, keep uh, a focus on, you know, the forecast for potential of impactful winter weather or severe weather, you know, tornadoes, hail and wind can happen any time of the day or night. Just, you know, go over your process of how you're going to keep yourself, your family, your business safe. Um, just get everything in line now so that when things start happening quickly, you'll be ready to react. That's good advice. Uh, after the severe weather season is, I mean, we have, we get most of our severe weather uh, through the months of April, May, and June, particularly when it comes to tornadoes. But as we've seen over the last couple of years, uh, November, December have both been fairly active. Uh, and I know we had that uh, record December 1st tornado outbreak uh, back in 2018. And, of course, we had all the tornadoes last year uh, across the southern half of the state. Um, it's it's a good reminder just even though we do have a peak season, um, severe weather season never really stops. It's always possible any time of day, uh, any day of the year uh, throughout the state of Illinois. Yeah, exactly. Uh the central part of the U.S. Is, is just uniquely situated that we can have surges of warm air that support severe weather any time of the year. Um, just a little oscillation in that jet stream in Illinois is right ripe for uh, a severe weather outbreak at any point during uh, the 12 months of the season. Absolutely. Uh, after that December, uh, after last year's uh, outbreak where uh, we had stuff moving through, you know, the St. Louis area, obviously, 
Uh, we had basically a lot of areas south of uh, Interstate 72 um, had a number of tornadic storms. Uh, I was reached out by a couple of viewers that, uh, in terms of the watch and warning criteria, and seemed they were wondering is if that is a reason why people are so hesitant to seek shelter is that they don't know the difference between the two. Um, I know we talk about it all the time um, as broadcasters, and I don't know if there's a simpler way for a system like this other than just to, to learn what we have, which is to really understand that a watch means conditions are right for severe weather, whereas a warning means you need to take action. Yeah, we try and uh, at least push the, the word warning to be your trigger. If you remember nothing else, you know, like you're warned in school or any, anywhere, you know, you're warned. So something's going to happen to you. You know, that's where you got to just link the two, um, you know, impact. Something's going to impact me. I'm being warned. Um, you know, so that's maybe a more simpler way to, to put it, I guess, for the public, um, because it's extremely important to know that, you know, when, when you hear the word warning, you don't want to just sit back and go, oh, I, I wonder if, if something's going to happen. You, you know something's going to happen. Warning means take action. Um, and if we can link those in any way, you know, mentally with everybody across the, the area, that's that'd be a huge win. And it's not just uh, tornado warnings that, you know, that seems to gather all the attention. I know when I'm doing my Facebook lives and I'm talking about uh, severe weather uh, opportunities or, hey, we've got a chance for severe weather, let's say, you know, future down the road, tomorrow there's going to be a severe weather outbreak. Uh, the one thing is what's the tornado chances? But uh, really there also needs to – it's – there needs to be kind of an emphasis also on the damaging wind potential out of some of these storms. I know, um, is it, 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 people often will ask, will word it this way, is it just wind or is it tornadoes? I'm like, well, it's never just wind, right? I mean, that wind can cause a lot of damage, and I don't think the general yeah. public uh, doesn't seem to, to connect that all the time, that how destructive something like a derecho could be, or even just a, a straight-line, small, gusty thunderstorm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, these thunderstorms just seem to be able to pack huge punches of, of damaging winds that, that reach near EF1 tornado levels. And, and it's just, uh, you know, people don't think, you know, obviously that, that a thunderstorm without a tornado can do something like that, but they really can. And, and, they, and it's becoming more and more common uh, that, that damaging wind lines are starting to generate more and more momentum for the 80 plus mile an hour wind range, which is, you know, low end EF zero. Um, you know, your roofs are going to get torn off whether or not it's a tornado warning or not. So, um, you know, that that impact from severe thunderstorms, it just needs to have a, a higher visibility because right now, you know, a lot of people just kind of think, oh, it's just a severe storm, maybe a little hail, a little tree might get shaken up a little bit. But, you know, we've got to start to raise awareness of that severe thunderstorm warning really possibly causing damage to your home and, and or your you know your life depending on if you're you know out and about and, and trees are falling so um, it's just something that needs to be highlighted every year because it is easy to just you know ignore a severe thunderstorm warning just from past practice so to speak and you guys have changed some of the tag words now that'll trigger wireless emergency alerts in severe thunderstorm warnings correct yeah that's correct now your phones are going to go off 
um, you know, if, if you start to reach those those 80 mile an hour wind levels or even uh, up to baseball hail, the destructive tag is, is what's going to be triggering that wireless emergency alert. Yeah, I was always kind of a fan of like, well, if we got a derecho coming, I'm wondering if it would have been worthwhile to issue tornado warnings. But I think this new tag, um, you know, destructive, I think is a good idea. And it, it, it will help people get to um, take action when need to. Um, we talked about this the other day, uh, Ed, you and I, when we were uh, doing a story together. Um, what can people do to get really ready for this besides the fact of having a plan and being weather aware? Uh, some of the items that we can kind of stow away to get ready because once those storms hit, it's a little too late to start grabbing flashlights and blankets and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, having that bag, especially with, you know, a way to see flashlights, your radio, a battery powered radio to make sure you're still connected to you guys or anybody in the media to give you information what's happening. Because if you know you have a destructive event and you're trapped in your basement or wherever your safe place is, you want some food, you want some water, and, and you want to be able to, you know, maybe even that little bit of extra clothes, depending on what time of year you want some, you know, warmer, warmer blankets and stuff like that. But uh, medications that you may need every single day, just, you know, have a couple of those in that bag and you can ensure that if you can't get to medicine that you truly need every day, you got that in there. Um, just a way to sustain yourself and communicate, um, you know, battery chargers, you know, just periodically charge up a few battery packs. I have those sitting around that charge my phone and I'll, I'll just charge up two or three of those and have that in the bag so that, you know, if power's out, you can recharge your phone with a portable battery pack. Those are huge because everybody's connected by phone now. So getting those battery packs might even be, you know, as important as the food you have just so you can stay in a communication link, you know, some cell towers may be affected, but, you know, as soon as, as communications are available, you'd want to have a, a way to do that. And going off of that, communications, uh, how critical is it to have not just one source? As much as I love our weather app and uh, us, the three of us, talking about tornado warnings and severe thunderstorm warnings, uh, how critical is it to have not just us, but multiple ways of getting more information? Because as we're giving one set, we're already talking about it, you need to have more than just us and just you guys and even competitors and such, right? That's all kind of important to have, correct? Yeah, correct. The number one... It, weather radios are so important to be monitoring everything that we issue that's going to impact you day or night. Um, you know, if it's not a severe thunderstorm that's actually triggering your phone, you know, you have that weather radio. So that's, that's hopefully your number one source at home. Obviously, if you're out and about, your phone is, is going to be there to at least alert you when warnings are issued. Um, radar apps are plotting the warnings on them now. So, you know, just having a good radar app that you monitor when things are, you know, you know, being weather aware and having the radar app can help, you know, am I in the box of this warning, you know, whether or not it's going to alert my phone or not, just being able to see visually where you're at and where this warning is can help, you know, protect yourself as well. So, you know, those are the, the main ones that, that people kind of carry around or have available at their home. But, uh, you know, obviously, the TV is a huge benefit for the weather service and, and it rebroadcasts of everything that we issue uh, at multiple platforms, radio and, and television. So, um, you know, the full gamut just needs to be considered just because it's important. I mean, the loss of life is, is, yeah. is not worth it just to do a little bit of extra work to get, get, get that way to find and have that information come to you. Yeah. There's a, 
one thing um, I always try to remind people of is when you, if you do rely on apps, you should still always have your weather radio. That should be your number one line of defense because if you're in a populated area and you've got all these wonderful weather apps, well, all those wonderful weather apps are pushing out warning push alerts, right, to all these phones, and that can create uh, backups within the cell towers and bottlenecks. And so that data sometimes may not get to you till after the warning has expired. I know that was the case. Uh, Bruce Jones from Midland Radio pointed this out a couple of years ago that in Kansas City, he got his tornado warning from his phone apps 45 minutes after the storm had oh. gone through because it was all bottlenecked. Now, thankfully, wow. I mean, he had ra- weather radios to alert him, but he's like, if you're in Kansas City and didn't have a weather radio, you'd be seeking shelter long after the storm had passed. Uh, so it's something to keep in mind. And our app does a pretty good job. I actually get our warnings before I actually get the uh, INWS text alerts. <laughs> yeah. so, so as soon as that, you know, it's fast, but it's only as fast as the Internet allows it to be. Um, and, and the broadband service from coming from the cell towers. So, uh, exactly. But really, that the radio transmitters, hopefully they stay... They stay up. I know we've had some bad luck in central Illinois, but knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> that that yeah. those things stay up, but they are truly your first line of defense, and we highly recommend um, you know everybody get a NOAA weather radio. And you, there there's some that are real cheap. There's some that are real fancy, a little more expensive, but uh, must have. I know um, before my wife was a work from home person, I always would send her to the office during severe weather days with a weather radio. So just keep this on, and when I text you to put it on, turn <laughs> turn it on. It's it's a good habit to have and doesn't hurt. I think what yeah, I exactly I think what I find interesting is I'm the same way. I've had it where people have texted me like, "So what's the weather going to be like?" And I'm like, "Well, I've been focusing on our region because we're having severe weather too." But since I'm close enough to home, they still text me. And I I've had one time where I was uh, um, at home and I literally called my parents. And I was like, "Hey, you guys in the basement? Yeah, we're in the basement. We saw there was a tornado warning." I'm like, "Cool." Uh, I'm just down the line with you guys, and <laughs> look at well, I'll have Radar Scope pulled up, another weather app that is really good at looking at radar data. Um, I'm gonna look at this, and I'll, I'm gonna hang on the phone with you guys. Cause I'm not sure what's gonna happen, and they were fine, but it's still it's one of those. It's like ah, an extra line of defense when you have meteorologists as uh, relatives. Yeah. Uh, and let's get into something. Uh, uh, switch, uh, switch gears into flash flooding here. Um, we also have seen quite a bit of this in recent years. Um, July 15, 2020, you had that devastating uh, flash flood in Woodford County. Um, right. uh, we saw your uh, about five to eight inches of rain out in the uh, Roanoke area. Uh, we also had last year, uh, boy, McLean County, <laughs> was it Ford County? That whole section down there just couldn't yep. catch a break. Uh, what's some advice? Uh, because we hear it when we're programming weather radios. Uh, people are like, I'm not in the flood zone. I'm not along a river. Uh, you can turn off the flood warnings. I don't need them. Um, but I think it's important to remember that even if you are not an area that typically floods, if you're in an area that gets hit by rain, technically you could experience a flash flood. Absolutely. Yeah. An intense line of storms can set up anywhere. You know, you you can't predict, you know, for a long period of time that you're never going to get one of those. And in saying, you know, that you, you don't have to worry about it is, is not a good plan of attack. You got to be recognizing that today, you know, in this day and age, thunderstorms are dropping a lot of rain really quickly. More often now, we're we are getting more moisture into these storms than than we had seen in the past. So flash flooding is is becoming more of a concern, and, and especially because you know the loss of life from these is is people going into flooded areas after uh, you know 
even if the rain has stopped, you'll, people going into flooded roads and thinking it's fine, or they see somebody drive through, they made it, you know, you just, it's, it's, you know, and the, and the loss of life is, is so preventable in, in flash flood situations most of the time. So um, just heightening the awareness that you know, it can happen anywhere, just due to the fact that we're dealing with really intense thunderstorms more frequently. Yeah. It's sad that most of these loss of lives, uh, loss of life during flash flood do occur in vehicles, which means um, that a different decision probably would have resulted in their life being saved just by simply not crossing. I mean, there's very few circumstances where um, you didn't realize that the road was flooded on a dark road in the middle of the night, no lights. I mean, there, there are some exceptions to that, but you, a lot of the time you just see people trying to make a trying to make a cross across a flooded road and they just really shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. The roads get inundated underneath, they get undermined, and they get can actually, you know, look like the road is fine when a majority of the soil and every supporting part of it could be gone and you just you become the the factor that buckles the road. And then, you know, if there's water underneath you could flow and, and the cars tip over so quickly in water. So it's just not a good situation at all if that, that it does happen. So you just have to be aware never go over areas that have been flooded even okay what so we tell people you know turn around don't drown when it comes to driving in flooded areas or when there is flood water but what other sort of advice or preparation would there be for people when there is a risk of flash flooding um you know you primarily just always be aware of your surroundings um things can change quickly all of a sudden you know, a, a particular area has a fleet, a field that rushes out and, and drains quickly over a road. You know, you just, rains can happen elsewhere and then the waters flow somewhere else. So, you know, even if you don't think you were in an area that got heavy rain, the flooding can happen quickly. You know, it's just, it's always to be aware of, of what's around you, weather wise, whether it's right where you're located or even around you. And then knowing the road systems where you live very thoroughly so that you're more confident, you know, okay, I can go around and I'll be fine. Um, you know, and, and being late for something is never more important than trying to drive through, you know, those, yeah. those flooded roads. You always, uh, you want to make it to your destination. Even a little late is better than trying to you know, tempt fate and drive through a flooded area. All right. Before we, uh, wrap this up, Ed, um, what uh, you have, and I mean, obviously, this podcast is going to be on and available uh, forever on our on our website. Uh, but we do have you have or you all at the National Weather Service do have some virtual spotter training courses coming up. Uh, can you tell us a couple of those dates? Sure. Yeah, we've got actually the first one is tomorrow. Um, we're going to be doing that, and uh, it'll 2nd. be available March second. Yes, March second. Excuse me. Yeah, it's a podcast. Um, Wednesday, March second. 6 to 8 p.m. We have a Google Meet link that's available on our website. Um, so, and that's linked right at the top of our page to get to that training calendar. We have March 8th, um, 6 to 10. We have a Saturday, March 12th, 10 to noon. Um, a Tuesday, March 15th, which also has a, a viewing area in uh, Eureka College, the Becker Auditorium, the Woodford County EMA has set that up as a viewing spot for people that want to come into a location. Uh, then Wednesday, March 23rd, Wednesday, March 30th, and then ending it out in Saturday, April 2nd uh, from 10 to noon. So, All right, uh, if, plenty of opportunities. Yeah, they're great. Uh, what can somebody who's never participated in one of these expect? Do they need to have any type of 
uh, knowledge about weather, or is this just a uh, is this just a good you know if you even if you're just remotely interested or just want to learn more, just show up. Exactly. Yeah, we we keep these at an entry level meteorology kind of level. Um, certainly, uh, anybody that's even interested in, in helping their community with severe weather reports come. Um, you don't need a real vast weather knowledge. We just let you know what to look for and how to get the information to us so we can blast that to the communities around so that everyone else can, can react to what's actually occurring that you've spotted. Yeah, I mean, personally, it's great talking to people who have gone through these courses. Uh, they give us great information during our during our live streams and during our wall-to-wall severe weather coverage. Uh, we, we start to recognize certain names of people who are good at giving us these reports and we can be, you know, they're trustworthy, uh, but they are helpful and, you know, we'll get them, we, you know, we'll get them to you or we often see them coming up in NWS chat and it, it really helps us uh, understand the severity of what is actually going on and, and whether or not we need to still be on air, off air. And so um, learn what it is. I mean, we do get a lot of scary looking cloud pictures, especially come late summer uh, where everybody oh, yeah. thinks every cloud touching the ground is a tornado, <laughs> but uh, this <laughs> class will help you out if you uh, you know if you ever had any questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's free. No, you don't you don't have to register this year because we're using Google Meets, but we'll have uh, registry documents inside the, the call. So, but just you know, helping your community is so important, and it, it's a big part of our severe weather program and making it effective. Having those spotters all trained, ready, and and feeling confident that they can report something that's going to help us and help their community. All right, Ed, anything you want to add before we uh, wrap it up? Um, just always say weather aware. I mean, uh, you know, things can happen and change quickly. And if you're always looking at, you know, our National Weather Service website or listening to you guys about what's happening, um, you know, just being ready to react when severe weather is going to be occurring in your location. Great advice. All right, Ed, thanks for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, before we leave officially for the podcast, uh, once again, I want to thank Ed Shimon for joining us on this podcast. Uh, but he is gone now because nobody wants to stick around to hear this terrible, terrible, terrible joke. Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. And I'm not going to delete this. This is this is staying in. All right, Adam, what do you have? <clears throat> Got to get my voice cleared out first and That's foremost. Right. Did you hear the story about the tornado? Hmm. Nope. There's a twist at the end. Oh, for the love of Pete.